Hey, happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Super excited about this multi-site month, and today you're going to get a chance to hear from someone who is literally impacting the entire multi-site church movement. Love today's interview. Just want to remind you that today's episode is brought to us by our friends over at the Red Letter Campaign, a brand new sponsor to the podcast. What if in 40 days you could grow your small groups by 40%? The Red Letter Challenge is a 40-day turnkey church campaign that centers around making more effective disciples of Jesus. The author, Pastor Zach Zender, he's been on the podcast in the past, uh, went back and looked at all that Jesus had commanded his disciples and found five main principles out of the mouth of Jesus. The challenge is centered around those targets. You know, in the last 18 months, this challenge has been done by tons of churches, hundreds of churches. Over 60,000 people have completed the Red Letter Challenge, and 100% of the pastors that have completed RLC have recommended it. Listen, I want you to find out about it. We've seen on average a 40% growth in small groups. What I want you to do is I want you to check out redletterchallenge.com forward slash unseminary. That's redletterchallenge.com forward slash unseminary. And there you'll see all the church packages ready to go for you. The packages start with as little as 10 copies, perfect for a small group, up to a thousand or more. Going to that link will save you between 10 and up to 40% off. Packages are ready to go for churches of all sizes. And if you need any other qualities or many or any other information, just go directly to that link, redletterchallenge.com forward slash unseminary. They'll be happy to help you. Love Zach and the entire team over at Red Letter Challenge. Let's jump in with today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad to have you on and listening in today. Uh, This is multi-site month around here at Unseminary, and I am super excited about today's conversation. You know, it's not very often that you get a chance to talk to someone who uh, something they've invented, something they've worked on is is really changing the way church is done across the country. And today you're going to get a chance to hear uh, from uh, Paul Martel. He is the CEO and co-founder of an organization called Living As One. They've created this amazing platform to help churches like yours with live streaming video content. For years, I've been saying someone is going to figure this thing out. And Paul and his colleagues have finally figured this thing out. So excited to have you on the show today, Paul. Thanks so much, Rich. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, this is, uh, Paul's a, a great guy and this is, uh, you're going to love this conversation today. Even if you're not thinking about video, uh, you're going to love today's uh, conversation. We know that not every church that does multi-site is video. We also know that the more locations that you have and the larger your church is, the more likely you are using video. And so this is a critical part of the conversation when it comes to uh, multi-site. But why don't we start with you, Paul? How did you get into this? Kind of give us the story, the kind of backstory that led up to the creation of Living as One. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, essentially, I was uh, working at uh, Hewlett Packard at the time. Um, I was doing broadcast for them. Uh, we did mainly satellite transmission and uh, a lot of um, internet 
broadcasting over our the private networks that HP has between the different countries. Like we did broadcasting between Brazil and uh, the United States all the time. And I, I was the broadcast, essentially the engineer for that, managing all the transmission for the video. Um, and at the, at the same time, I was uh, helping my church part time uh, as like an AV technician and mm-hmm. uh, just helping them with, uh, you know, running video directing and uh, maintaining projectors and doing lighting design. Um, and our church actually wanted to, at the time they, they had a plan to expand to 10 campuses over 10 years. And they wanted mm-hmm. to use video for teaching at the, um, the remote campuses. So mm-hmm. they wanted to do that in order to keep the, um, the teaching pastor pools small. They didn't want to have to have, right. you know, as you grow a number of campuses, you're exponentially increasing the number of teaching pastors you have to have mm-hmm. if you're doing live in-person teaching at every campus. And mm-hmm. so they wanted to use video and, and they wanted to use streaming for that method. Mm-hmm. Um, and since I was already doing streaming at uh, Hewlett Packard, I just started to bring in the same technology that we were using at Hewlett Packard uh, to do streaming. So, you know, really expensive, fancy encoders that were, you know, cost, you know, um, sometimes on the measure of $50,000 per unit. Um, I would bring those in and just try them out and and to kind of kick off the church, get them going. Um, And, uh, but what we ran into is that we, we were trying to do this over public internet connections instead of the private connections that, you know, Hewlett Packard had between their infrastructure, their different buildings. (laughs) You're you're telling me that churches don't have as good an infrastructure as Hewlett Packard. I find that hard to believe. Well, you know, some (laughs) churches do, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but but most churches don't. (laughs) Yeah. The cost of those networks are just so expensive and, you know, depending on where you're putting your buildings, um, having to lay your own fiber or anything like that just could be extremely cost prohibitive. Uh, we're mm-hmm. talking, you know, probably on the low end, maybe ten to fifteen thousand dollars per line per campus, mm-hmm. um, and that's on the low end. That's if you have those telecom um, infrastructures really around you all over the place, um, right? Kind but, of right at the street or within that exactly. kind of last mile, like you're right there, basically. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and yeah. No, nobody really has that, you know, or they don't have right. those type of connections that are that are close enough to do that. Um, and so we were just trying to use, you know, commodity internet connections, public internet, you know, Comcast or Verizon or Fios, the same mm-hmm. thing basically that you have at your house, just with a, you know, service level agreement on it. Um, yep. And we were trying to do that uh, streaming wise to our, to our remote campuses over that public internet connection. And the, the difference between those really between those private connections and those public internet connections is the the public internet, you don't control where that data is going to go. It's, it's basically right. going wherever these automatic algorithms or, or functions are telling them to go. So if there's a slowdown here, it's going to reroute your data. Your data could potentially go to a different state before it goes to the building down the street. If it has to, right. you know, that's, that's the way the internet was kind of designed. It's going to, try to figure out a way to get there but uh, sometimes that causes problems and that's what we were seeing we were seeing problems we we had a we would have like two good weeks of perfect streaming um Mm -hmm. at these campuses and then the third week right in the middle of the message it would just cut out for like two minutes or you know up to two minutes and so the people in the audience at those remote campuses um, their viewing experience, their their interaction or their connection with the sermon would be totally disconnected, oh, and it would just yeah. be totally lost. It would it would kill the feel of the environment, and they would they would just it'd be really obvious that they're watching a video, uh, yeah. and that was just unacceptable. Their expectation mm-hmm. level was really high because they're already mm-hmm. watching a sermon on a video, and mm-hmm. then for to have it interrupted um, was just a, a really bad experience for them. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I know. Um, so the thing I love that you described there is that is the experience that a lot of our church, like a lot of us have had over the years working with video. You know, I've mm-hmm. 
been in multi-site since the early 2000s. When we first started, um, and you and I have joked about this, but when we first started, our solution was we recorded on SVHS tapes. Yeah. And what, literally what would happen is the we, we the the kind of got crew that was responsible for this at the end of the service they would eject the tape and then hand it out the door and then a guy would grab the tape and get in his car and they had one of those blockbuster fast rewinder things kind of hot wired to his car and he, <laughs> and he would rewind it as he was driving no way yeah and would and then would literally come in while worship was on and jam the tape in and as you can imagine, there was all kinds of problems with it. You yeah. know, green, you know, yeah. video, green video, all kinds of stuff. I've lived in satellite t- TV. We did satellite at one point to do live connections, which is super expensive. Um, you know, lived in the kind of week delay world, which, you know, it, you know, you tape one week and then have it, you know, you know, another week. Um, when, when churches, so before we get to your solution, what are some of the common ways that people are, are, or other ways that people are delivering video today that you're seeing as you're interacting with churches across the country? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you're speaking of VHS tapes and that was like, you know, that was a great solution for that you know era of that time, you know, <laughs> yes. it actually yes. worked, you know, for the, for the most part for the technology yes. that you're limited in because you yep. didn't have other good options. Um, and we're seeing the same thing kind of today. It's just like a different format of recording. So instead of a VHS tape, people are recording to, you know, solid state hard drives. Um, you know, and they're, and then they're transporting, they're physically driving those solid state hard drives to other campuses. Um, and I, I can't tell you how, and I would think that, Hey, that'd probably be a pretty solid way to do it. And, and for some people with some technologies, it can be, um, Mm -hmm. if you're okay with that kind of delay. Um, but I've also heard just a ton of stories, just like you described, like they'll get Mm -hmm. to the campus and, oh shoot, they forgot to, they, they recorded the wrong audio channel or the file got corrupt somehow, or, you know, they hit playback and it doesn't start playback uh, because something that they, in their system just didn't, wasn't compatible. Um, and so this solid state hard drive transport method that you kind of described for VHS, we're seeing that happen too. Um, For those people who are okay with that kind of a delay, you know, that obviously that file has to be totally complete and then transported and then loaded for playback before you're using it. Um, So if you're okay with that, that, that is one way to do it. Uh, Others are um, using satellite, as you mentioned, um, but that's about a, you know, roughly about a $300,000 initial investment for that infrastructure. And then you're paying hourly for that satellite time. You're paying about, if you're getting a good rate, you're paying around $280 per hour to be able to stream and transmit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't work very well for uh, especially portable campuses. And so many churches right now are, are getting smaller and they're trying to go into the communities. And so they're building smaller buildings or renting venues. And then to set up a, a satellite dish receiver to receive from the satellite that's in the sky, yes. you know, it's pretty complicated for a volunteer to set up. Yep. Um, and so, but that's another way people are doing it. And I would say that's probably the most common ways. Yeah, we were doing satellite. The only reason why we were able to do satellite was because literally we were across, well, kind of kitty corner from the weather network. So literally the the people who do, you know, all of that. And we basically just piggybacked on some of their infrastructure, but it was, yeah, it was huge dollars and um, uh, expensive. <laughs> and we were paying more than 260 bucks an hour. It was, you know, and it, and you felt that every time we, you know, it's like it, it, you just feel the money leaving, 
you know, yeah. it's crazy. So now well, let's, let's talk about living as one. So you stepped into the market and the thing, um, you know, I, and the church I'm currently associated with, we use it. Uh, so many churches that I know of are using this solution. I recommend it literally all the time. I was just saying before we got on the call, just this week, I was talking with another church who had not heard of living as one. Why don't you describe your solution and why is it, you know, such an innovation? Why is it so much better than, you know, some of these other things we've talked about? Yeah. So the way that we ended up solving this problem, um, one of the receiving campuses, it was just a super alignment. God put all the people in the right places. Um, there was somebody who was a, uh, an architect for Cisco uh, mm-hmm. cloud development. And uh, we got together. Uh, he, I had a programming back, background, but pretty high level. And he had a very deep programming background. So he really understood the deep stuff of programming. Mm-hmm. And we started saying like, hey, you know, we can't fix these public internet connections and it's going to cost us thousands and thousands of dollars to get private ones. And, and we know that this is a problem for other churches. So let's try to solve this. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we just kind of broke the problem. We looked at the problem. We said, here's, here's what's causing this issue. It's this internet outage and then the data is being lost. And so how do we fix that? And so what we did was we, we built our own hardware essentially and our own software that basically could capture the video and it would store everything at every step in the transmission process, getting it from the broadcast campus to all the remote campuses. And it would put all that data on local hard drives and it would make sure that it was transmitted appropriately. So if the internet went out, well, it's still being stored at every step. And so as soon as that internet connection comes back, 100%, all of the data goes that hasn't gone yet. And so what you end up with is the actual exact replica of the data that was originally broadcast at the receiving campuses. And as long as that data has time to make it to those receiving campuses before it's being played out, then you're going to have a continuous, super high quality experience. And so that's what we Mm. built. We built a whole system that could do that through a cloud network. So it could be very scalable. You don't have to, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be limited to the number of upload, you know, you have at your broadcast site because it's pulling through the cloud. So Mm -hmm. we we developed that kind of solution to to make it very easy for volunteers to operate and all of that happening totally automatic in the background. Yeah, this is amazing. So, you know, to unpack that a little bit for folks that are listening in as a user, you know, the thing that is 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 consistently astonishing for me is a two couple things. First of all, how simple the system is to use. Like I um as a person who's been on the purchasing and designing end of systems, I've often said you know, it's okay if it's complex on the sending end, because, you know, that's typically where we'll have like somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. But on the receiving end, we typically have volunteers that, that are, yeah, they love the Lord dearly and they really like their MacBook. Like they, they don't necessarily have like the deep, you know, they're, they're, they don't have the kind of technical skill that you have that went at your church. They're, you know, they, they're just super helpful people and are good at, you know, troubleshooting. But the thing that ha- amazes me with your solution is on both ends, it's like straightforward. It is, it is, mm-hmm. I, I find my, like, I am the, like, I, you know, I am an Android guy. I like uh, goofing around with my Android phone. That's about the level of my technical <laughs> skill. I'm not intimidated by technology, but I find this like actually very simple to use. Um, and is, was that a part of the design from the beginning? Because it, it just seems like that. It seems like it's very straightforward uh, to use. Yeah, I think one of the benefits of me being on staff part time at the time was that I was in charge of training all the volunteers how to operate the system. <laughs> right. So, so I was extremely familiar with the the how quickly turnover could happen in volunteers, yes. and so right. we really wanted to design a system that anybody could show up, learn how to use it in a few minutes, and then operate it without 
any questions and then being able to come back a month later and not having to be retrained. Uh, right. And so the whole operation, the whole design was really intended to be extremely intuitive uh, and designed geared toward volunteers. So on the broadcast side, um, everything from, I would say 99% of our churches have all of their broadcasts scheduled ahead of time. And mm-hmm. so they, they'll set up, you know, a reoccurring schedule so that every Sunday morning at 8.30 a.m., We'll start streaming until 1130. Um, and then all that happens automatically. They never have to touch it. So nobody is even thinking about it at the broadcast site. And then in the meantime, right. if there's any problems, it's sending you alerts automatically. And so right. you, you're actually learning from the system about your own infrastructure uh, if there's network problems. And, and then on the, the receiving side, um, we just made a very simple user interface that's literally like three clicks every Sunday morning to start streaming at, at the exact point that you need to be streaming at. Because we, we made this system called Qs, which are just points of reference with in the system that and it's basically a playlist that shows up in real time for the receiving sites they just click where they want to go like the sermon start and it jumps mm-hmm. to that point it starts downloading all that content locally and they hit play whenever they're ready to go it's just so simple yeah so to again to underline that when we were doing satellite um we our our hinge point in the service was always um a prayer time so we had a this we had kind of rigged up this janky countdown clock thing that was like a unified countdown clock across all our campuses and basically we had our campus pastors we said you're going to be the sponge in this thing and because it was a live signal um they had to say amen when the countdown clock hit zero um which which you could do in practice, but when you actually, you know, tried to roll that out to 10 locations consistently, you, we, you know, we were getting grinding on a fairly regular basis, or it's easy to get grinding on a fairly regular basis. But what you've done is make a solution that, you know, you don't, you're not on the receiving end, you're not tethered to that kind of thing. If the service goes a little bit long, you're okay. Now, if you go short, that's a different issue. But if you go a little long, um, you know, that's an okay solution. Why don't you talk a little bit about, the, so uh, one of my experiences as, as a user here, and it, just for people that are listening in, like Paula didn't pay for any of this. I'm, I feel like I'm being very like effusive here. And people are like, <laughs> is, he, is, is Paul paying to be on here? No, that's not the case. I just am so excited about what Living as One has done because I really do think there's churches out there today that have this problem that should be using this. So I, one of the things I was surprised when we switched, and, I, and I've told this to you and you laughed at me, um, which is fine, but <laughs> I, I feel like, so we were going to the transport files solution um, to your solution. And I swear that the quality got better, that actually in the receiving campus, the video quality went up. How is it that you're able to achieve? And we're in our campuses, we're in movie theaters. So they're giant, you know, that you see anything that goes a little pixely, you see it very quickly because it's a giant screen. How is it that you're able to achieve such a great quality of video, which obviously is super important? Yeah, I mean, we like I said, we build our own hardware. So we, we're hand-selecting every single component that goes into these, these pieces of gear. And we're putting them together ourselves. And so that we know that the whole system works perfectly together. And so right. we've chosen technologies that are literally designed for um, high-quality encoding. Um, and, and I think there's also a perception um, that when people are watching with a live stream, um, they're so used to seeing you know, quality drops or um, frame, like basically frame drops where the, the, the image looks a little bit juddery at times. Mm-hmm. Um, they're so used to that, that when they're actually watching our stream, because it's an exact copy of what the encoder produced, what the broadcast system produced, they're just kind of blown away. Like, wow, the quality looks like just as if I was 
watching it right out of the camera. Um, and so I think the combination of selecting the, the right technologies to go in there and then pairing on top of that the technologies that perfect the transport of that um, really goes a long way in having a, just an experience that you're like, wow, this is, this is really good. Okay, so uh, one other piece of the puzzle I'd love to talk through is just the like time delay piece of it. I know a lot of churches that use your solution on the sending side, they do this tricky thing where they start a minute or two earlier. And then on the receiving side, we start a minute or two later. It's not that you're saying your, your service starts at 932. You still say it starts at 930. People that aren't actually watching their clock that that close. Why are you doing that? Why is that a part of the solution? Yeah, so it kind of goes back to what I was speaking to a little bit earlier about the data needing to be able to make it to the receiving side before it's being played out um, so that that viewing experience is continuous and uninterrupted. And so if you're using a public internet connection at your broadcast site and at your receiving site, um, it's it's possible that there's going to be some interruptions there. You might have, um, let's, let's say it's a bad case and you have 30 seconds of internet loss for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe their router reboots, it got, it got overloaded, which happens definitely at times, even with these fancy routers. I mean, they, they happen. And right. so what we, the concept of what's called a buffer essentially is basically storing that data on the end device and before it's needed to be played. We have an advanced buffering system, which can mm-hmm. download content ahead of time for, I believe it's up to an hour uh, from right. where you are with from everywhere right. like the video playhead is essentially wherever the point in time is that you're playing it can download 60 minutes ahead of time and so when that internet connection outage happens let's say it goes out for 30 30 seconds um, you're eating into that buffer and mm-hmm. so but your video playback experience is not interrupted because it's already downloaded and so the more time that you have in your buffer is basically just a safety net the longer you're going to have uh, a of uninterrupted playback experience. So at the broadcast campus, in your example, you said, we're going to start two minutes early, or uh, maybe mm-hmm. they even just start right on time or whatever. Right. They, they start right on the clock, hits zero, right? They're, um, they're allowing that receiving campus, by having that receiving campus start two minutes late, build up that buffer mm-hmm. so that if the internet goes out, the playback is continuous and it's able to use that buffer. So the bigger the buffer, the, the, the more reliability you have. And something at like two or three minutes, you're, you're kind of at the, the, the five nines essentially of reliability. Like your, your right. risk of interruption is going to be so low that right. you can just have perfect playback and not have to worry about it. We even have churches. There's a one a momentum church in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a cool, the coolest story. They, um, they actually stream from one school to another school, totally over hotspots. The school doesn't allow them to use their internet connection <laughs> at all. Um, and so they bring in two hotspots essentially at both campuses and they give the, um, the system, those internet connections, and it will use both hotspots and they're streaming. I think they're using a 15 minute delay just because the speed's kind of low and they want to make sure it's, it's really, but they've been streaming for, I think almost two years now with no problems over hotspots uh, from that's campus crazy. to campus. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's unbelievable. I, I know we were doing the same thing at one of our campuses and I didn't know that that was like a, I haven't been in on the implementation stuff. I didn't know that that was like a normal thing. And so I kept telling church leaders when I was talking to them, I said, you know, I don't know that the living as one guys will tell you this, but like, you know, we're doing this over basically a cell phone and, and on the receiving end. And it is crazy. It, it, and it works. And, um, and again, it's surprising to me um, that you can achieve that level of quality, uh, you know, on such a reliable basis in terms of such a simple solution, which is uh, just incredible. So, yeah, it's amazing. So the thing I you know, want to underline for folks that are listening in, if your church is thinking about going multi-site or you are multi-site and you're thinking about, you know, sharing teaching across multiple locations – 
um, you really need to dig into this technology and see, okay, is this the kind of thing I should be thinking about? It, it really can be a game changer for your church and actually open up more opportunity. Uh, to a couple other questions. So I'm assuming um, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. This clearly doesn't work very well in portable solutions, right? Like you've got to, you've got to set up in, in just set up in permanent locations. There's no way there's so much infrastructure. I got to have racks and all that. Or is this working in portable places too? Yeah. I mean, um, portable campuses are using this, I think more and more now um, because of the potential of, of not having to have these super reliable camp, these internet connections anymore. So that example, that, that, uh, Momentum Church that I just described, they are totally portable campus. They set up and break down every morning um, and they bring up all their gear and everything is just in a, a rollable rack and they push mm-hmm. it into the school. They plug it in uh, to their hotspots, which is actually run outside on the lawn with an antenna to get, it's like a little baby antenna that they get to get a better cell signal. Um, and But they'd set that up every morning and it's just a tiny piece of, you know, what they're setting up for the rest of their production. You know, they got, they have yeah. lights and they have speakers and the band and uh, their on-screen graphics and they're setting all of that up. So, th- so our system is just a very small part of that, really. Um, so portable campuses are totally plausible. And that's, that's actually a big trend that we're seeing is that um, people are using video or live video as a planting strategy. So they might want not, not want to go build a permanent campus somewhere. They want to go try something out first. And so they can take a very simple portable setup and say, hey, we have, we have some people here who really are interested in our church, but it's too far for them to drive. How about we let them create a little house church or something? And they, you can put this system at that, that house, and then they can invite their friends and family over, and they can watch, and they can have a, a super reliable ex- viewing experience and participate in that whole service um, at a very portable, flexible setup. Yeah, so Liquid Church, church I was involved uh, was involved in for years in New Jersey. This past summer, they did a, a campus, just a kind of a pop up temporary thing on Saturday nights, um, where you know they were incorporating you know this idea of also being able to remotely send video, uh, which again I think opens up new opportunities. The part of what I love about what you're doing here is you're saying like, oh, maybe this used to be a constraint point, but maybe we can you know imagine new things. Maybe we could try. Uh, increasingly I'm seeing in the, the work I do in more rural communities or smaller communities, you've got, you know, the bivocational pastor or, or maybe just even a volunteer campus pastor who's in a community of a couple thousand, um, you know, this gives reliable teaching into an environment like that, which is amazing. And frankly, for lack of a better word, the business model can support it. Um, now this will be up for a while. And the part of what I've I've been uh, frankly shocked is how economical your solution is. And so I know your prices are going to change and all that over time and how that works, but can you give people a sense of the scope of that? What does that typically look like? I know, and, and, and it may not be great to do that. It might be, you know, best for us to, you know, say, Hey, you should just connect with them because they're economical. But I could say from my perspective, having been on the purchasing side of these things, I'm always consistently surprised at just how economical it is. Um, when, when you think about pricing, how do you think about maybe at a high level, even if it's not, you know, individual, you know, it's, you know, whatever the number is, uh, what, what are you thinking from a cost point of view, you know, at a high level? Yeah. You know, when we first started serving other churches um, with our solution, because they started asking and we started providing just because we wanted to help meet that need. um, We, we were really just doing it out of a service to them. And um, so we, we priced our, our entire solution at about, um, I would say, 
it's it's not a stretch to say about a tenth of what the right. market value was going at the time. Uh, right. We had churches. I think our first big deployment it was actually the chapel up in right. Chicago, and they were going to have um, they needed their whole system replaced for streaming to like ten campuses, and they were looking at somewhere around uh, two hundred fifty three hundred thousand uh, dollars in just hardware uh, to do that over their very expensive internet connections. And I think we came in and we provided the whole solution for around forty or so, uh, forty or fifty maybe um, for that entire replacement solution. And then on top of that, they were able to use commodity internet connections afterwards. And so they're saving uh, upwards of $20,000 a month just on internet connections alone. And so um, we tried to just to keep that as low as possible. Yeah, it's amazing. And again, you know, to to underline there for folks that are listening in, you know, both sides of the equation, you have to think through how do we reduce the upfront cost? You know, I've said in lots of contexts, you know, you want a, a quicker, lighter footprint because the the kind of, frankly, the more economical you can get your launch solution, it will allow you to launch more campuses. If you had to drop, you know, a hundred grand every time just on the video solution of, uh, itself, you would, that you would think long and hard before launching, you know, right. where a solution that's a lot less than that gives you the opportunity of saying, hey, let's do more. And then there's obviously the ongoing cost, the idea of, you know, public internet, even if you're buying from two different providers, that's still going to be way cheaper than any kind of, you know, you know, dedicated lines or fiber optics and all that sort of thing. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely affordable, a lot more affordable than people think. Uh, and so we always, that's right. why we always just encourage them to contact our team and, uh, and just run through and just get, get an estimate of, hey, what, what would this actually cost if we look like if we want to deploy to two campuses or three campuses? Um, yeah, totally. And then they have that and they're just like, oh, OK, well, we know the cost and it's nowhere near what we thought it was going to be usually. Um, so right. that's that's totally easy to do. Yeah, that's fun. That's and again, I would encourage you uh, to do that. Are there any uh, kind of interesting deployments out there that you're like, oh, this is a little bit different that uh, that you know the way someone's using it, they've kind of taken it and used it in a creative manner that is you know kind of interesting that might stretch people's imagination beyond just the typical kind of like I'm delivering Sunday morning uh, you know content or you know in a different location or that sort of thing. Yeah, I think um, I think just the most interesting one for me that I, that I know of recently is is in Australia. Um, we have a, a church there um, that has campuses all across the country, um, but mm-hmm. they do have people who are who love their church, but they just live so far out in the country that's so rural mm-hmm. that they really it's not convenient for them to drive there every time. Mm-hmm. And so they've started deploying this solution in those house churches. I think that's probably the most amazing uh, example that I can think of. And so they'll just ship them a, a setup and they'll play it uh, every week and 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 those those house churches are growing and right. and they're they're many of them i can think of a handful of them that have already turned into actual physical campuses because it grew so much that they needed a, a, their own building and they needed child care and they needed all this because they've been so successful and so i think just the the reach that you can that you can have now it's you're not limited to your geographical local area you can really go wherever you want um and so i i just love that example because it just really shows how flexible you can be you're, you're no longer limited to the restraints of what you used to be uh, on where you want to go Mm-hmm. Well, Paul, I, you know, on behalf of the the churches that you're serving, I just want to say thank you. You're, what you're doing through Living at One as One is amazing. I know uh, you really, in a lot of ways, are enabling ministry at a really profound level. And I, I don't know, I suspect you don't understand how important it is to the broader body of Christ. It really is incredible. And I, you know, I've said this to Pete from Portable Church as well, who, 
you know, he was a guy who's kind of a non-traditional church leader, you know, you've come to this part of the world and said, hey, like, I'm a technical guy, I can take what I've learned and applied it to the church. And then God's used that in some pretty amazing ways. So thank you for that. It, it, you know, from my side as a church leader, I'm just so, uh, so honored for what you're doing uh, in so many churches. Is there anything else you'd like to share uh, for us to think about in this area before we uh, wrap up? Uh, no, I just, well, thank you for that, Rich, by the way. And I'm really grateful for that. You know, that's really our, our heart. Everybody here at Living is One. So we're all thankful to hear hear that. Um, mm-hmm. I think the, the only other thing we, we would I would want to share um, is that we've taken that same technology and we've mm-hmm. applied it to um, what we call the web platform. So it's essentially mm-hmm. being able to deliver to um, web browsers or web phones um, for mm-hmm. any viewers. And we're building tools around that to make the especially the micro campuses, those really small ones, um, easier and easier to deploy without big hardware. So, mm-hmm. and we're, it has the same technology. It's based on the same transmission, the same resiliency. Um, and so people now are, are able to pull up. We're, we're working with some churches very closely on this to develop it. Um, basically use a Chromebook, a $300, $400 Chromebook wow. and pull up our web feed. And they're able to, to pull up the, the same uh, video that their multi-sites are receiving with the same queue list to be able to jump to those points and put it on their TV in the house. So when it comes to those house churches, um, we're, we're really working on those tools to make it even easier and less expensive to go where you want to go. Um, and we're really excited about that. That's amazing. That's really cool. What a fun, uh, you know, and I can see all kinds of opportunity for that. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Well, that's great. Well, Paul, I appreciate you being on the show today and for everything you're doing to help uh, multi-site churches. If people want to get in touch with you or with Living as One, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, they, uh, our website is uh, livingasone.com. And uh, you can just go on there and you can even sign up for a demo. And what they'll do is walk, do a screen share essentially with you and walk you through what, exactly what everything looks like, how easy it is to operate. Uh, and then they can also just say how much it would cost for you guys to be able to do that. So uh, livingasone.com would be the place to go. Nice. Thanks so much, Paul. Have a great day. Thanks, Rich. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>